Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Spencer Lodge podcast. Now, would you like to speak to somebody that not only has made a fortune, but lost it and built it up again and led with gratitude? Well, stay tuned. We're about to start. Cue the music. Right, so today's guest, oh, you know what? I've been following this guy for a long time, okay? And I really want to share with you a couple of little bits and pieces about him because what happened about four months ago is that I listened to something that he said and it was all about saying the word thank you. And I literally said to myself, can I do that? And I tested myself to do it. It was probably hard. I thought it was gonna be easy at first, but it was harder than going on a diet, okay? But by saying thank you every day really has made a big difference to some parts of my life. And I'll share that with you in a while. But today's guest on the show, we've got Dave Meltzer. Listen to this, okay? He's the co-founder of Sports One Marketing, a global sports and entertainment marketing agency. He's a consultant and business coach. He's a keynote speaker. He's got three best-selling books, including his latest books, Game Time Decision Making, high-scoring decision-making strategies from the biggest names in sports. He's also a host of the Playbook podcast, so go check that out, okay, where he shares exclusive conversations with most influential CEOs that are out there, sports icons, and successful entrepreneurs on the planet. Ha, I've not even finished yet. Okay, at five years old, David wanted to make a million because he felt at five years old he could buy his mum and a house and a car and retire. Now, that's very special to me, which I'll share with David in a while. He lost $100 million in 2008 and he's rebuilt his company from the ground up. But gratitude, empathy, accountability, and effective communication are the four principles that allow Dave to live by his mission, make a lot of money, help a lot of people, and have a lot of fun. To celebrate turning 50, he bought two community centers in Africa. Oh no, and I turned 50 the other day, so the test is on. He's a father of three teenage girls and a young boy, and I'm absolutely super delighted to have him on the show today. Dave, thank you so much for sharing some time with me. I'm blessed to do these all the time, and I love when I get uh, appropriate and fun introduction like that. Thank you so much. It was really enjoyable to see people's perceptions of what I've done in the past, but obviously, you know, my focus is always towards the future and empowering over a billion people to be happy is truly my main mission why I came on. Uh, uh, unbelievable your journey. Maybe maybe I can just start a little bit and, and talk about your childhood because there's some parts of your childhood that are similar to mine. And when I hear you talk about it, and which we'll share with the audience now, when I hear you talk about it, it really moves me. And the the relationship you had with your mom, you know, she was a single parent. She was bringing up you and your your your, your family together. And you know, for any mom, that's that's tough. You know, my mom went through the same. But my mum was a real kind of like a real strong woman and I took so much, so, so many lessons from her. I didn't even know at the time that have helped me as a, as a business person over the years. What was your journey like with your mum? Were, were you really close all the time? You know, I was extremely close in the respect that there was such a bond of love. You know, as far as time, you know, my mom worked two jobs, sometimes packed our dinner in a paper bag. So we could go out and fill turnstiles at the 7-Eleven greeting card so we had enough money to eat. Um, but my, my relationship with my mom, she was a, I, the original ferocious Buddha. You know, she was so nice. She was like, her inherent being was that of a kindergarten teacher. She talked to everyone as if you were a kindergarten. You know, that sweet, nice, you know, totally selfless person. You know, oh, hi, sweetheart. Oh, the whole, you know, just kind of, you know, goofy, like, 
everybody loves you. You're wonderful. You're beautiful. You're, and you know, it was just a really interesting thing because I did catch her, you know, crying over financial stress a lot. And, you know, that affected me and impacted me because I love my mom so much. And I always, I always tell people, it's interesting you ask that question. I've never really said this. I know my mom doesn't like it when I say it, but nobody loves their mom more than me. I, I, and I'm not a competition person. Like I just can't imagine. So I should say, I can't imagine someone loving their mom as much as I love my mom, but like, I, I'm not really, I don't like hanging out with my mom. Like we, we don't have a lot in common. Like she's not a big sports person, a technology person. You know, we, we read different books. We have a, you know, I'm a money person, you know, she's not. And like, she hates when I say that. I'm like, no, it's okay to say that like, I am full of, of love for you. I will lie in front of a bus for you. But if someone said, who do you want to sit at a, a football game with? You're not my first choice, mom. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. You know, the fact that you just said that, it just, that really resonates with me as well, because yeah, I, I, I love her to bits, you know, I really do love her to bits. And, you know, my parents retired to Cyprus and, and, and they, 10 years ago, they, my mum my and dad got divorced. And so my mum married again some years later and they retired to Cyprus and it, it is an absolute blast to go visit them and stay for three days. But, but, but after that, it's like, it's hard work because of the things we don't have in common. Interesting. So your mum, your mum struggled. Tell me about your relationship with your dad. So my dad, you know, that relationship's so interesting because at five years old, my dad was my hero. Uh, back in the seventies, he wasn't a very supportive father. He was into his own problems and, uh, you know, made money, married a very young girl, but I looked up to him until I was 10. Uh, and then he made a really bad mistake. You know, and one of the guilt, you know, the guilt of having a great mom, you'll, you'll understand this. I'm sure this will resonate. When, when your mom sacrifices everything for you and never tells you, but just does it and you witness it, you know, and I'm sitting there, the biggest guilt I have is I used to sit in that car and tell my mom, why can't you be more like dad? You know, and meanwhile, he's not supporting us. All the reasons we're poor. It was like my cousin asking me, how come you don't ever pay for anything? I'm like, because I'm poor. I'm not cheap, I'm poor. And so, you know, I used to tell my mom, why can't you be more like dad? But at 10, my dad forgot my birthday. And that wasn't such a bad thing that, that he forgot it. It was what he explained to me why. And he said to me, he didn't forget my birthday. He lied to me and said, I don't believe in birthdays. He was so insecure and like he was so lost in his ego. Uh, you know, he's a compulsive gambler. He had a lot of issues that he had to work through. His lessons, I say. And when he said that, I immediately knew my dad was a liar. He was a cheater, like my mom told me later in life, a manipulator, a back-end seller, an overseller. And I went from adoring my father, the hero, to making him my zero. He, he, it was a complete detachment. I didn't need it in my life. And I became you know, a real mama's boy. Um, and it, it changed, though, because my dad, in some respects, saved my life. Uh, and was the first person ever to stand up to me when I was 30 and a multimillionaire. He was the first person to tell me the truth. Wow. 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 Gosh. If, if we weren't on this podcast right now and I was sitting having a cup of coffee with you, there's just so much stuff that I could share that you and I would be going, really? The same? Really? Interesting. Okay. Um, 
so if you don't know me, I'm a sales guy, okay? For all of the businesses that I've got, everything that I've all of, I've ever done, at my core, I'm a salesperson. And and no, ma- no matter what, I've got to the age of 50 and, and I still, to this day, know that I love selling more than I love doing most other, other things within business. And I know that you're a sales guy as well. And, uh, you know, you've got a great background in that. And, um, and, and I love the fact that you know people seem to shy away or they hide from being salespeople, don't they? They kind of, you know, selling's got kind of a dirty word, but it's something I'm incredibly proud of. Are you proud that you're a sales guy? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think selling's everything. It's sharing a vision. It's inspiring people. And as long as you sell with value, uh, and I hadn't always sold with value, right? I'm born like you. We're called eagles, right? We were born salesmen. We could sell ice to, to Eskimos. And, you know, since we were little, I'm sure you were talking people into things like me. Um, but I, you know, I talk about my dad saving my life because, you know, at 30 years old, you know, my dad was an incredible salesman, right? But he, he like me, you know, he was an overseller, backend seller, manipulator, liar, and and cheater, which is common for salespeople, why people shy away from saying they're lawyers or insurance people or like there's bad and good of everything. But when I was young, I, I was an overseller, you know, manipulate. I was all about what commissions I could make. But my dad at 30 years old, I was a multimillionaire and I kind of transformed my selling ability into raising money, which I thought was the best sell. Because if you can convert your selling skills into being able to raise money for charities and business, you'll never go broke everybody will want you because in bad times and good times, people want to raise money, charity and corporations. You're invaluable and you can create great value. Well, at 30, my dad gave me a a birthday present, first one in 20 years. And it was a jacket. I cried when I put it on because it fit perfectly, which many really cared about me and asked for my size. But then I opened it. He had torn all the lining out, all the pockets out. And I called him so furious. My wife's looking at me. We were just newly married. I married my dream girl. I was under the auspice that money buys love and happiness. And, you know, I, I, everything I did in my life as a multimillionaire money. I bought my mom that house in the car nine months out of law school. I made millions in Silicon Valley. I, you know, ran the first smartphone division, you know, in the world, the first smartphone. I ran, I was running at, you know, 30, you know, unbelievable money. My dad sends a jacket. I call him. I'm pissed. I'm like, why are you punishing me? He said, I'm not punishing you. I said, why would you give me a birthday present I can't wear? He said, it's not for wearing. I said, what is it for? He said, it's to remind you that you can't take anything with you when you're gone. I want you buried in that jacket. Hang it in your closet and remind yourself you're just like me. Don't make the mistakes that I've made. Money can't buy you happiness or love. Please, David, keep the jacket. I wasn't ready to hear it. You know, being the salesman and who I was, I'm like, F you. I don't ever want to talk to you. you you're you never going to change. And I hung up on him. Six years later, uh, my best, the first person ever to stand up to me. Because when you have a lot of money, you know, your family, your friends, everybody, there's a good book out about yes people. I was surrounded by yes, right? And everything was a trade to me. I'd give money to charity so they could tell me how great I was. I Everything was about money and trading. Well, six years later, my best friend, the second person ever to stand up for me, we were playing golf. I now was running the most notable sports agency in the world, uh, Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment. They made the movie Jerry Maguire after the firm. I was around celebrities, athletes, entertainers, the greatest events, Super Bowl, Pro Bowl, Masters. Unbelievable life, multimillionaire. My best friend I go golfing with. I said, hey, how come you don't hang out with me? He said, I don't like who you hang out with and what they're doing. 
I said, well, I'm not doing what they're doing. You can hang out with me. Come on, we go to the Super Bowl together. We can have a great time, hang out with celebrities and athletes. He said, David, you can lie to me, but don't lie to yourself. Second person ever to tell me the truth because I knew I was hanging out with the wrong people. And two weeks later is when my life changed. I came home, I was at the Grammy Awards uh, with a rapper in America called Little John. He's fairly famous now, but Little John, we partied, I lied to my wife. Uh, I told her I was going to a business meeting and I went to a Grammy's party. Came home 5.30 in the morning, intoxicated and high. I have you know little girls at the time now, you know, and my wife, the third person ever to tell me the truth, just laid into me at 5.30 in the morning, said she wasn't happy. She was going to leave me if I didn't take stock in who I was and what I want to become and that I was a liar, a cheater, a manipulator, overseller and back end seller. And she wasn't happy. I immediately got offended. You know, my ego took over. I told her, are you kidding me? You can't believe you would do this to me. Everything I've done for you. Are you kidding me? I went to bed mad. I woke up even madder. I was looking for a lawyer to take everything away from my wife. Right. Because money had bought her happiness. Money was going to make her sad. I was going to take everything, all my money, the kids. I was so angry and so frustrated. And then I looked over in that closet man, and that jacket for the first time staring at me. And I looked at it and what it told me was I was a liar. I was a cheater. I was a manipulator. Back at everything I hated about my father, that's what I was. And I hated myself. And I decided at that time, save my life, I was going to take stock in who I was and what I wanted to become. And I thought the gratitude, forgiveness, accountability, and effective communication inspiration was going to be my true north, my true north star were those four things. And two years later, I lost everything. And I always tell people, my, you know, most people bottom out when they lose everything. Not me. I was on the upswing. I was ready for it. And I'm even more ready for 2020. Uh, because I live by those four things. They're not easy to live by. They sound easy to do. I do them every day and I forget them every day, but it changed my life. It wasn't for my dad giving me that jacket, my best friend telling me the truth and my wife threatening to leave me and exposing me for who I was. I probably would be dead, but instead, you know, through this crisis that we're in, I am empowering more people living by my truth, which is I'm here to empower over a billion people to be happy. I know the formula. I know what it takes to make money, help people and have fun. I know what it's like to enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of my potential. And I do free trainings every Friday around the world so that everyone can be empowered. And all it takes is a thousand people like you, Spence, thousand people to empower another thousand to empower another thousand. A thousand times a thousand is a million, a million times a thousand is a billion. And I'm going to get a billion people, over a billion people in my lifetime to have a collective consciousness like we have abundance, happiness, health, money, charity, fun. All of those things are available. There's more than enough of it for everyone. And I'm going to teach everyone how to get it. It's funny the the relationship people have with money and how how I, I, I suffered very much from the same types of problems that you did with an, an overinflated ego bordering on extreme arrogance, obnoxious, I would even say. And it took a big fall for me in 2012 when I got fired from a company that I helped to build and realizing that my fall from grace and the, 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 no, the I was so ashamed of myself for a good period of time that I almost took my own life because of how, how ashamed of myself I was. Myself I was, and I'm, you know, I'm thankful that I didn't. And my, there were people there to save me. But 
it, it then it, it didn't switch overnight. It kind of slowly changed for me where I started to realize that the person I was wasn't the person I wanted to be. So just like you. And we say, you know, people say to me, well, what, what do you care most about? And I say, I, I'm the most selfish person because the gratitude that I get, the joy I get is out of helping others. And I don't help others for them. I help others for me because it makes me feel great being able to give, give, give. And it's really cliche. Um, and, and, and it's sad that it's cliche, but it's true. Okay, I feel a whole lot better when, when, I'm, when I'm trying to help others rather than focusing on myself. And clearly your journey, your, your journey has been very similar because you've done very similar things from that perspective. You lead with gratitude. And, and that conflicts in some businesses, doesn't it? You know, some businesses, you can't be like that naturally. It's a real challenge. Do you agree? Absolutely. And that's where the second component that I learned, the radical humility, I thought stemmed from everything comes through me for others, right? So my idea is that I'm motivated and inspired without any guilt, without any worth issues, all the things that you suffered from and I suffered from that took you to the edge of suicide is that we weren't worthy of everything that we had, that we were living with the corrosion and interference, knowing the powerful source of light, love and lessons that we were either walking besides or that were within us. But the main context was that once we allow things to come through us, see there's three worlds, Spence, and we've lived in all three. The first is the world of not enough, right? You and I grew up in a world of not enough when we were little, not enough of anything, we were victims, and we were gonna prove to everyone that we were better than them. They were born on third base and thought they hit a home run, but, but we were gonna show them that just because they were born with the, the rich parents and the nice cars and houses, we were better than them because we could sell. Then we moved, into the world of just enough, right? We both moved into this world where everything was for me, this arrogant world that I knew better than everybody else, everything was for me, and I bought a whole bunch of things I didn't need to impress a whole bunch of people I didn't like. And I felt empty and alone and shallow and unfulfilled. I, I was filled, but unfulfilled. And then we transformed, both of us, you in 2012 and me in 2006, into the world of more than enough, where now we could be motivated and worthy of everything that we could have because it was only to come through us with appreciation, gratitude, and the ability to add value to it, to give it away to others. Everything that we did. Now, the, the next component in your journey that you may have already started is for me the biggest one where radical humility took place, not only in receiving with appreciation for others, but asking for help to receive, to live in a world that enough, to realize that I'm helping other people and giving them an opportunity with a new thermostat, not a thermostat of my bank account, but the thermostat of emotions and feelings and kindness and positivity and happiness. I learned to ask for help. The greatest hum humble thing I could ever do is I'm always looking for people like you that sit in the situation that have knowledge, relationships, advice, counsel that can make me better, expand me, grow me by simply being humble enough to say, I don't know. I don't know what I don't know, but you do. Can you save me the dummy tax and give me some help, please? So it can come through me for others. That's the continuum that I live by, a world of more than enough of everything for everyone, an abundant world where I can teach over a billion people to be happy so that they too can live in that same world that I live in today. Man, that's so powerful. You're, you're, you're bang on the money with that, though, because it's, it, I completely agree. It's asking for help. I'm not sure I've got, the, I've got that 
consciously yet. I don't think if I'm really honest about it, and you know, maybe I can say whatever I want to say. But the reality is, I probably I'm not I've not I've not created enough courage to be able to to ask because. I don't know. There's something. There's something in the way of that. So that's that's a really valuable lesson, actually. How do, how do you go? How did you? How did you do that? How did you then go? Right, I'm going to go ask. What was it? Was what? What did you do? So I took the sales training that I've had and applied it to my life. And so I'm a very math oriented person. So I always said my opportunities come from in person, on the phone, via email or media, radio, print, TV, or social media. That's where my opportunities exist. And so what if I utilize the same way that I provide value to others, right? I used to ask people, how are you? What do you do? What do you like about it? What don't you like it? Would it help you if I did this for you? Right? That was my questioning methodology that allowed me to provide value or service. Well, what I did was reverse that into another strategy of how I could find out how somebody could help me. Everybody was not a gatekeeper. You and I grew up learning about gatekeepers. And so since we were great salespeople, we could oversell, back end sell, manipulate, lie, cheat to get around a gatekeeper. Uh, they were an obstacle, they were a void, they were a shortage. And once I shifted the paradigm and said, you know what, everyone I meet in person on the phone via email, media, radio, print TV, and social media is now a sponsor or a power sponsor of mine. Meaning everyone I meet, my job is to be more interested than interesting to be more interested than interesting and see how they can serve for my, for me and my community. So I asked the same questions. Do you know anyone that can help me with blank? I asked the questions to find out, Hey, and sometimes they're a sponsor. Everybody knows somebody that can help me. It's more available today than ever. Most people on average know a thousand people. So if you just ask one person in person on the phone via email or media, you're going to have 4,000 people a day new in your network that are like, Hey, I know somebody or, a lot of people are power sponsors. Not only do they know someone, but they themselves can help you. And guess what? Every time you ask someone for help, you make them feel good. Here's the cool thing about happiness. It's the best virus that's ever been created. It's the only virus that can be literally shared by witnessing it. It's spread by witnessing. And guess what? It strengthens everything, including your immune system. So if you can share happiness by asking someone, hey, can I make you happy? I'm gonna allow you to feel good. Because when people give, they feel good. When people receive, they feel good. When people witness it, they feel good. In fact, serotonin is released. They biochemically feel good. It's proven. So I believe and am motivated to not only to provide service and value to anyone that I meet, but also to ask for help. Epic. That is epic. Wow. You've, you've got me there. That's just amazing. What a wow. Okay. What a great thing to say. Goodness me. Okay, look, I've only got a few more minutes with you because I know you're tight on time. Let, let, let's just get a bit topical for a second and try and give the audience a little bit of advice. Obviously, we, we see that there's a lot of tough scenarios going on for a lot of businesses right now. A lot of people are struggling. There's mass unemployment like nothing that we've ever seen before. And we're similar ages, so we probably have witnessed similar things. The, to me, whether you're General Motors or whether you're a, a solo or an entrepreneur, my belief is if you're going to get yourself out of this mess, you've got to learn some skills. And one of those skills might be learning how to sell yourself and, and how to be better at selling. And that, whether that's General Motors have got to sell cars, Mercedes-Benz have got to sell cars, or somebody's got to sell a service or a solution. What do you think people have to do? And, how, and what do you, first of all, what do you think is going to be the, the, the kind of overreaching issue for the next 12 or 18 months? And then what do you think people have got to do to get out of it? 
Yeah, so in the next 12 to 18 months, right, the only stability that will happen is when we have a, a vaccine, right, a cure. And so that'll be the stability point. So until then, what we have to focus in on is capabilities. Uh, and those capabilities are a combination of one, the skills that you just described, but two, the knowledge, right? If, you, if you're not doing an inventory of your values pertaining to your skills, your knowledge, and also your mindset, which you have control over, the desire to be what you must be. Now, if you take that capability of skills, knowledge, and desire, and you align them with what's synergistic or supplementary to what's making money today, or what business is stable today, and then also prepare your skills, knowledge, and desire for what's gonna happen after the vaccine. Because disruption in an expanding environment causes new opportunities. Disruption in a closed environment causes complete breakdown. We're an expansive environment, right? The universe expands. So there's gonna be huge opportunities. So if you get laser focused on controlling your mindset, exploring and pursuing new skills and enhancing the ones that you have, as well as knowledge, and you take those capabilities and find which ones are synergistic or supplementary to the companies that are making money today or companies that are stable today and or prepare for the ones that will be after the vaccine in the future, you are going to not only exponentially grow, but accelerate in your own personal objectives. You will manifest or attract exactly what you want rapidly and accurately. And it's very mathematical and pragmatic. Remember, you control four things, your mindset, you control your feelings, you control what you say and what you hear, and you control what you do. Too many people are listening to the wrong things, they have the wrong mindset, they have the wrong feelings, and they're doing the wrong things. Get laser focused, align them, supplementary and synergistic capabilities to where money can be made today, where it's stable today, and where it will be made in the future by asking for help from experts that are doing so, and you will be guaranteed no matter what position you in. You could be bankrupt right now and unemployed, you'll be thanking Uncle David, you know, 24 months from now going, I've never been more, my biggest, I have one of the biggest, you know, executive coaching uh, practices in the world. My biggest client problem right now is guilt because they're making so much money and they're literally in such a good place. They feel guilty. And I, I'm gonna leave this with everyone. You cannot be poor enough to make anyone rich. Do not feel guilty for doing well. You can be rich enough to make other people rich, I promise you, very easy when you're rich to make other people rich, but when you're poor, you cannot make anybody rich. So you can't be sick enough to make them well either. So take care of yourself and allow things to come through you for others using those capabilities and asking for help as well. I don't think there's anything more that we need to say. I could sit and talk to you for hours and hours and hours, and I probably would if I got the chance. Dave, thank you so, so much for taking the time and, and, and inspiring the people here in Dubai with your message and your story. You're, a, you're one hell of a guy, and it's been really fantastic spending some time with you today. Thank you so much. Please join me Friday for my free trainings. Everybody can reach me, dmeltzer.com forward slash training or uh, just email me at david at dmeltzer.com. Thank just you. Just tell me what, just one last thing. What time is that on a Friday? 11, it's recorded too, but 11 a.m. Pacific time. So it would be recorded. You can get the replay and free guides. I give my book for free as well. I don't charge for anything. Um, I'm crying. I'm on a mission. I'd love to get all of Dubai to be happy as well. We're going to change the world through happiness. You're an epic person. What fantastic stuff. We'll make sure we share with that with the audience. Ladies and gentlemen, the awesome, the epic, the top, top guy, Dave Meltzer.